Hello and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and today's episode is all about pee, poop, and sex. Wait, what? Yep, we're talking about the pelvic floor. I am so thrilled to invite onto the podcast Dr. Sarah Reardon. The Vagina Whisperer is what she's known as on Instagram. Yep, we are talking all things pelvic floor in this episode. What is the pelvic floor? Why might you want to go see a pelvic floor physical therapist? What are some of the blocks that can get in the way? And how do you find a pelvic floor physical therapist? We're talking about peeing and pooping, postpartum, what some of the challenges can be, and she's offering real tangible tools and support for navigating some of those challenges. And we also dive into birth and birth recovery, as well as sex postpartum and how and why it can be painful sometimes. I am so excited to introduce you to Sarah. So let's dive in. listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, mom to three, and I support mamas just like you who want a supported, loving, and rested postpartum so that you can flourish in that first year with baby. In this podcast, I'm sharing my conversations with perinatal experts from around the world and with parents who've been through it. While I hope that this podcast is supportive to you, it is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed health provider. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, Sarah, the Vagina Whisperer. I am so excited to have you on the podcast and to dive in today talking all about the pelvic floor. But first and foremost, congrats on hitting 200,000 followers on your social media account where you are making all of this information so so accessible to folks who would otherwise potentially not even know what the pelvic floor is, right? Like I know that for my first postpartum, I had no idea this was a thing and that I could get support and that there were resources out there in terms of pelvic floor health. So you are doing amazing work and I'm really excited to get a chance to talk to you today. So thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, Cassidy, for having me. All right. Well, let's dive in. Could you share a little bit with our listeners who potentially might not know you or your work or what it what, what the pelvic floor even is? Can you share a little bit about the work that you do and what drives you and what you're passionate about? Absolutely. So I, I do think it's always helpful to kind of start with what is a pelvic floor physical therapist. And I'm a physical therapist by training. I had my um, I went through undergraduate school. I just got my psychology degree and then went on to get a doctorate in physical therapy and thought that I was going to be a sports trainer for the New Orleans Saints or work with athletes. And I fell in love with the pelvic floor during grad school. (laughs) And um, we're, you know, pelvic floor physical therapists work with muscles and tissues, but in the pelvic region of the body. So 
we all think about our pelvis as kind of this ring of bones, but at this very, the very base of that is a basket of muscles. And mm-hmm. those muscles help hold in pee and poop, have the vaginal opening for vaginal intercourse or vaginal birth. Um, there's connections with the abdominal wall and the buttocks. So they're really responsible for roles in bowel and bladder health, sexual health, pregnancy, postpartum, and birth. Mm, Okay. And so why would somebody potentially come and see a pelvic health physical therapist like yourself? Like what are some of the common things that you see in your practice? So I hope that eventually one day pelvic floor physical therapists are just integrated into healthcare, just like we see dentists or our primary care doctors once a year or OBGYNs once a year because these muscles are so important and we often don't realize that they even exist or that there's help for them until something goes wrong. So I would love to for it to kind of just be a proactive part of healthcare. More, yeah. of, more often what we see is um, we see men and women in all genders, but we'll see people coming in for urinary leakage, That may happen if you're an athlete, if you are postpartum and trying to return to fitness, um, different things like that, or even little leaks with coughing and sneezing. Um, Another common condition we treat is painful sex. So if these muscles are tight or tense, it can cause pain with um, the first time you attempt intercourse or at another time in your life, maybe when there is hormonal changes with birth control or menopause, or even postpartum if you are um, breastfeeding or lactating, there can be um, some tension and some dryness to the muscles and tissues. So painful intercourse is another big one. And then just pain. Sometimes people have, you know, tailbone pain or pain with sitting or um, pain with riding a bicycle or, you know, different types of painful conditions. Um, and then of course, poop. We do a lot of poop issues too. So constipation, things like that. So really everything kind of in that pelvic region that you know, helps us day to day in our function, but we work with the muscles that are responsible for those. Okay. So as you're talking about some of these things, peeing, pooping, sex, the first thing that comes to my mind is like so many, so many folks I imagine feel embarrassed or ashamed or taboo about even naming some of these things or bringing these things up to even maybe their general practitioner. But I don't so I imagine that there might be a lot of blocks to taking the step to reaching out to someone like you. But these are these are real issues that can truly impact our functioning, um, can definitely have ties to our mental health, to our relationships. So what are can we kind of just like put those blocks out there? Let's take them out of the shadows and put them on the table. Like what are some of the blocks that keep new parents from getting pelvic floor support that you see? Right. So, you know, going back to the first question you asked about kind of what inspired you to do this work, and I think one of the things I love about it is that these are such important issues in people's lives. They can be really embarrassing. They're really intimate, but they have such a huge impact on us. And when we help people get better or make progress, it's so rewarding because it literally can change their lives, their relationships, get them back to fitness, um, having more confidence in their bodies. So, you know, I just, I love the patients. I love the work that we do. Hands down, I think one of the biggest if we say speed bumps or roadblocks, it's really that we don't talk about these issues. I think we tend to suffer in silence a lot because they are so personal and intimate. They can be really embarrassing. And then once we do talk about them, it's like, well, who do we talk to them about too? Like, do we go to our gynecologist? Do we go to a primary care doctor? 
And then, so that's kind of the first one is, you know, we don't want to talk about them. And the second is, who do we talk to about the problem? Mm. And then I really think the third is that oftentimes once we work up the courage to talk about them, we're kind of dismissed. Like these issues Mm. have been normalized so much in our lives of, you know, little leaks are just part of being a lady or just use lube so that sex doesn't hurt. And there's really, that can feel really dismissive and um, they're just not real solutions for the problem. Oh my goodness. Okay. And so if somebody is listening and we're going to talk this whole episode about sex, peeing and pooping, so hopefully that will help. <laughs> that will help like okay, these are just these are gosh, these are things that we I mean, we all pee, we all poop like every single day hopefully that's happening. <laughs> right? I guess um sometimes there's there might be some issues there constipation. And when it comes to sex, like the, if you're a parent, like these are things that we're doing and we're engaging in and we all deserve to have a healthy, enjoyable, pleasurable sex life. But you're absolutely right. These things are not talked about enough. So we're going to hopefully demystify some of these things by just putting it out there and talking about it really naturally. But when it comes to the the other block you mentioned in terms of even knowing where to go. So just to kind of address that really quickly, can somebody just go directly to a pelvic floor specialist, health specialist like yourself, or do they need to get a referral? Like, do they go to their OBGYN first? Who, what, what's sort of that process of getting into your doors? So there are a few different ways that folks can find pelvic floor physical therapists. You can absolutely go to your OBGYN. You can ask your mom friends. You can post in a mom Facebook group. Um, or you can even just do a simple Google search for pelvic floor physical therapist in your area. In every state, you can at least see a pelvic floor physical therapist for an evaluation, which means you don't have to have a referral from a physician. You can go in and get an assessment by a pelvic floor PT, and they can say, okay, now you either need to go get a prescription from a physician, or in my state like Louisiana, we can continue seeing patients without a a physician referral. So mm-hmm. it's it's variable per state, but you can at least go in and see a pelvic floor PT to make sure that that's the right thing for you and that you even need physical therapy. Um, yeah. one, one other quick tip is there are a couple of pelvic PT locators, and I included them at the bottom of my website. So it's an easy way for you just to kind of go to those pelvic PT locators and type in your zip code and all of the pelvic PTs that are registered on that um, on that website can pop up for you and you can kind of just poke around and kind of see who is doing, you know, maybe postpartum stuff or working with new moms. Amazing. And I'll be sure to include a link to that in the show notes for anyone who's listening right now. And they're already like, this is something that I didn't even know I needed, or I know that I need, but I don't know where to go. So I will be sure to include a link to that in the show notes. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Let's start with peeing and pooping. <laughs> let's start. Let's let's start there, because we're hopefully getting a chance to engage in these very very natural human pro- bodily processes every day, right? Um, let's go there. We all do it, but after baby, it can be a challenge. So, um, and then and then and during pregnancy as well. So, do you work with folks that are in that are expecting and postpartum? We do. And actually, you know, in my clinic specifically in New Orleans and even in our online sessions, we do a lot of pregnancy, physical therapy, and childbirth preparation. And, you know, I see folks across all across the lifespan, whether they are expecting or postpartum or menopausal. Again, I work with males as well. 
But I really think that we go through such a huge transformation during pregnancy and postpartum and there's no follow-up for our bodies. It's kind of like you get this thumbs up at six weeks to go back to sex and exercise, but you haven't done anything to rehabilitate your body and it's been through so much. And so during pregnancy, we work a lot with you know, teaching folks simple tips like how to get out of bed without overstraining your core or how to modify mm. exercise programs so that you aren't causing weakness on your pelvic floor. And then specifically birth preparation of teaching people how to push or teaching them how to breathe during birth or even cesarean birth preparation of these are some stretches that'll be really great to help open your abdominal wall and, you know, early postpartum oh. tips of, um, you know, scar healing and again, taking your first pee and poop. So just a lot of education that I feel like hopefully will be integrated into pregnant and postpartum care at some point. Oh my gosh. Like this is so, this is so needed. I mean, all I got, I mean, for for my first, I took the birth class um, and I had a very, I've talked about this in many other episodes, but I've had a very rigid birth plan um, and then it all (laughs) went to shit. (laughs) Um, And then it was, it was very traumatizing. I'm, I'm laughing at the time. It was not something I could laugh at. I was, it was very, very difficult and took a lot of work to heal from. But there were so many elements of it um, that I was not prepared for physically. And I remember just hearing like, do Kegels. And it's like, right. okay, so um, I'm just going to do Kegels then. <laughs> like, right, right. That was literally my preparation. But if I had – and I'm so curious to hear about this idea around abdominal preparation for um, a potential belly birth and then scar healing because for my first um, – that was, I mean, my, my, my scar, I had a key, it keloided and I think it was definitely connected to, um, how much my body was fighting that, that the belly birth and how traumatizing it was. It's like my scar literally, literally represented how like angry I was at my body. Um, because totally. for my second belly birth, the scar, they literally had to cut off that scar. And I re- I got a new scar that healed so differently because I was so much more prepared and it was such a different experience. Actually, that second belly birth was very healing for that first. But I had no idea how to pre- how to prep my abdominal wall. Um, I was just doing Kegels all right. the time. And, and then my scar, I, I mean, I had no idea how to nurture um, that scar following that. I mean, it was difficult for me to even look at because I, I had just not prepared mentally or physically for that experience. And so I would love to hear, can we be doing more than just Kegels, Sarah? Yes. And I don't even think that that's what kind of the blanket exercise we should give to pregnant moms yeah. because, you know, what we find a lot in physical therapy, what we do do is we do an internal vaginal muscle assessment. So what that means is it's similar but different than when you go to the gynecologist. We, you know, insert a finger vaginally and we ask you to squeeze around our finger and that really tests the strength of the pelvic floor muscles. Um, however, we find a lot of people actually have tension in those muscles. So think about when you hold tension in your neck and shoulders and you get those kind of tight spots that you want to rub out. That's the same thing for our pelvic floors is that sometimes they're tense and when you're doing Kegels, it's actually making the tension worse and therefore can be causing difficulty with urination or intercourse or pooping. And so, you know, for like decades, everybody's just been doing Kegels. Well, I'm like, well, now all of our pelvic floors are too tight and we need to do (laughs) relaxation work. And 
And even when we think about preparing for a vaginal birth, you know, we want those muscles to be relaxed. And so I really like to focus in that third trimester of, you know, getting the muscles relaxed, softening them, teaching folks perineal massage, and teaching them how to push because if you have all of this tension, you don't know how to let it go. And then you're asked to do that during birth and people are like, well, I don't know how to do that. And it's like you're in this really vulnerable position and nobody's taught you kind of what you need to do. And so – and I think it's just really empowering for people to kind of know what to do before you have to do it. And if it doesn't go that way, say you do – you know, birth is spontaneous. There's a lot of things that can happen during the labor and birthing process. You want to be able to switch gears. And so – at least you can feel though like, well, I did everything I could to prepare for this. And if it didn't go that direction, there wasn't more I could have done. And then you go another way. So it's just, again, I think, you know, even the research is showing if people feel empowered during their birth, it doesn't even matter what the, the method of birth is. As long as they felt empowered, they have more peace about the experience and less trauma. Oh my gosh. 100%. Okay. Interesting. As you were talking about this and it makes so much sense, right? So we're be people doing Kegels all the time or like me being like, oh, I haven't done my Kegels in forever. And I'm just trying to remember to do Kegels all the time. <laughs> um, and then, and then you're tightening. Um, but I, I, this is a muscle group, right? And I love right. how you're describing how now we need to teach people how to relax these muscles, right? And right. what it actually got me to thinking about, because you mentioned breath earlier, um, when it comes to birth. So when you, you know, when you think of like the Lamaze classes and the type of breathing that I know, like my, my mom was taught, which is like, <laughs> and you think about the breath and I remember thinking, okay, that breath is really fast paced. And I actually find myself when I'm in that fight or flight stress response, what happens is I breathe quicker, right? And that makes sense because in that space, typically our our body's just trying to pump blood to our muscles. And it's that, that, you know, when we get in that sort of anxious sort of like stress response, we breathe a little bit quicker. That can be a signal. But while we're giving birth, do we actually really want that quick paced breath that's, I don't know, it, it kind of has that same sort of like tightening effect it feels like to me where I feel that tightness in my chest, my whole body gets kind of tense when I do that type of breathing. And so is there actually a connection here where we actually want to be doing a different kind of breath that has a similar sort of like sort of like it's it's actually triggering maybe that like rest and digest system, the, the opposite of our fight or flight response. Am I making this up here or is no. this a thing? Yeah, no, it's totally a thing. And so, you know, I think one of the biggest things for me is that um, I want people to know they have options. And so even when yeah. it comes to breathing, in the clinic, we'll say, okay, let's practice breathing, like doing a lot of rib opening breathing and belly breathing because that really helps relax the pelvic floor. How does your pelvic floor respond to that versus if you do a lot of chest breathing, typically people are still holding tension in their pelvic floors and all that breath is coming from the chest. And so it's, you know, and then even when it comes to pushing during birth, I mean, we've been educating folks for a long time about hold your breath and push as hard as you can. Well, again, people are getting exhausted and their pelvic floors are getting weak during that process. And so I'm thinking like, is there a better way? 
can we achieve a vaginal birth without having folks hold their breath and push as hard as they can for three or four hours and then they end up with prolapse or hemorrhoids. So I just, I think giving people options, doing, again, one of my patients said at best, she just said, wow, it's really nice to know what I have to do before I actually have to do it. It's like, we don't (laughs) go run a marathon and never have trained for it. So I'm a big fan of starting with the breath and it's something that we work on a lot during childbirth preparation, but then even postpartum, you know, I mean, I can remember kind of sitting in a chair and and I'm like, I can't even connect with my pelvic floor, but you can connect with your breath. And Mm. and, and post-cesarean, I think there's a lot of restriction in the abdominal wall. There's a lot of guarding. There's a lot of pain. But just, you know, when folks can't even, they don't even want to look at their scar or touch their scar, I'm like, you can at least breathe. And sometimes just breathing and opening the belly can give that a little bit of space and release some of those muscles and tissues. And then I have them kind of start to breathe into their hands so their belly's touching their hand. They're not touching their scar, but they're kind of touching near their scar. And and just gradually starting to connect with a part of our bodies that we can so easily shut off after birth, especially after trauma. Oh my gosh. Okay. And I'm so glad that you named this piece here around trauma and how you're describing this sort of very gentle, right? Like meeting someone where they're at sort of process. And the reason that's coming to mind and I'm really connecting with that right now is because I've had, I've had clients before who they've, they've come to me because they've experienced birth trauma and we're doing some work around that, whether it's EMDR or talk therapy around their experience. And I've had clients who I have recommended for one reason or another to go see um, a, a a pelvic physical therapist such as yourself. And then they go or they're nervous to go um, because of trauma, whether it relates to the birth or whether it's trauma from earlier on in their life. Um, And knowing that, you know, you mentioned earlier, uh, one way that we check the the muscle, the muscles is there's a, a finger that's inserted vaginally. And I imagine that somebody could hear that and be afraid of what that's gonna bring up for them. And so could you could you kind of demystify this a little bit? If somebody is has experienced trauma and they're they know that there's some pelvic floor help that they could really they could really benefit from, what does that look like? If somebody comes in and they tell you that they're they're actually scared to have an exam, right? Like how do you support somebody in that space? Right. And so, you know, this is actually something that we focused a lot on in our profession because we do work with so many folks who have not just experienced birth trauma, but it could be sexual trauma, emotional trauma, or abuse. Right. And and we do screen everyone and ask those questions. And um So I think one of the first things is we really just start by talking. I mean, when I sit down, the first session is at least half an hour of just asking questions. And it's surprising how few people have talked about their birth experience and their postpartum recovery and how emotional that can be. And I think that just having space to talk about these things that we don't always process and because you go right into survival mode after giving birth. I mean, it's really so much of that focus shifts to – taking care of baby that we're not even given space or time to, or an opportunity to kind of like process what has just happened and the changes that have occurred physically and in our lives. So, um, and then second, I can only speak for myself and, and my practice, but I am a huge fan of making the patient the driver in their healthcare. And I feel, and I don't want them to be a passenger. So everything is a conversation 
they're informed of, you know, this is what we're planning to do. Do I have your consent to do that? If we don't have consent or if you're not comfortable with it, we will pause. We will hold into another session until you're ready. So it's really working at a pace that they're comfortable. And it can really be some sessions just start by feeling over their pants on their glute muscles or, you know, yeah. feeling over and around their scar. And and it's really working at a pace that they're comfortable and they're really the driver and, and not just having somebody do a lot of things to them, but really participating in the care. So, uh, you know, I think that it's, and I, I love working with a team. So we have, you know, therapists that we refer to, acupuncturists, um, you know, just different, a, a really team of caregivers that can help support moms kind of through that process. Okay. This is, it's so, it's so wonderful to hear you talk about the agency point and how, how relevant and important this is, because if it's related to birth trauma or, um, sexual trauma, um, childhood trauma, there are so many ways in which in these experiences, someone did not have agency, power, and control. And what I love that you're describing here is that you're putting someone back in the driver's seat. They are the one, they are the agents, right? Like they have power in this situation and in this relationship. And to just to just to have that experience can be a part of healing, right? For someone to have the experience that when it comes to um, my pelvic region, I have agency in this relationship and in this room, in this situation, as I should, right? And I get to consent to what is now going to be a part of my healing journey, right? Um, and so I think that's such a valuable component and experience for someone to have when they have had these experiences that were very traumatizing where they did not have power. Um, so, right. And so important. It is so important. And I mean, I think even myself as, you know, a healthcare consumer, as a mom, and I, you know, I just really have found that I have to be the advocate for myself. And I think it's, you know, I want to feel heard. I want to feel like where I want people, my medical provider to meet me where I am. And I think that that's what we're really trying to facilitate for our patients is, you know, where are you today? And, um, and really giving them like, what are your goals for therapy? And so what does better look like for you? And so really kind of working towards what they want to achieve out of it. And, you know, and I often get asked the question, is it ever too late? And I'm, it is never too late to go to pelvic floor therapy. I mean, I've seen, worked with moms, postpartum women who have 20 and 30 year old children, you know, and so it's, you know, and they're just now discovering that something can be done to help them or the issues are arising, you know, decades later. So it's never too late. And, you know, I think about myself, I mean, I couldn't even get out of my house to go to an appointment until I was 18 months postpartum because I was just kind of so in the weeds. So really kind of, you know, it's there when you need it. And we're really there to kind of meet you when you are ready to, you know, be able to receive those things and, um, you know, process some of the things that you've experienced as well. Mm, I love it. And I love that you work with a team as well. I just, I think that that's the direction that we really need to take our healthcare system here Mm -hmm. um, is that we are crossing bridges and that an individual who's navigating trying to heal and get support knows that they have a team around them that is working together too. It's so important. Um, and that's what I, I just feel like every postpartum parent expecting postpartum parent and just individual in general deserves and is so worthy of having that kind of support. Right. 
Okay, so we like, we started to have a ping and pooping and right. we jumped into birth. <laughs> I, know, but I love it. We're like, advocate for yourselves. Yeah, so I we can go back it. to ping and pooping. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, okay, so ping and pooping. What are some of the things that folks might be struggling with? And then maybe just – if you could just – I know that one podcast episode is never going to cover all of the things, but I would love to just kind of give people a little bit of a sense of – what are some of the challenges and what are some of the treatment options or supportive options for these things that they might be struggling with? So I think the first thing is just to talk about kind of what is, like how do these muscles and, and organs kind of normally function? And then then we can kind of go into how do we prevent issues and then like when would you get help for them? So to pee, I always like to talk about peeing and pooping because I feel like we don't we're never taught this ourselves and it's something that we can teach our children in the next generation because then we can prevent problems. But when you pee, you actually should just sit down and relax and your muscles relax and your bladder is a muscle that pushes the urine out for you. So when you sit down to urinate, you don't have to push when you pee. And I think that as parents, we're you know often guilty of this because we're trying to rush and do a bunch of things or we have a kid on our lap or you know somebody's screaming at the door. But you really want to sit and take a couple of deep breaths and just allow your muscles to relax so that your bladder can push the urine out for you. If you get into the habit of power peeing, it can weaken your muscles over time. So, so some of the issues are if you have a hard time starting your urinary stream, if you feel like you're not emptying completely or you pee and then you feel like 5, 10, or 15 minutes later you have to pee again, or if you mm-hmm. start experiencing leaks with a cough or a sneeze or a laugh or exercise – those are all signs that you would want to see a pelvic floor physical therapist because, again, if there's a tension issue that's not allowing you to empty well or start your stream, we'd want to work on some relaxation. Or if there's a weakness issue and say you have leakage, we'd want to work on some strengthening. So those mm-hmm. are common things. And, and you know, the unfortunate thing is, you know, sometimes they have, they start with little leaks and people don't worry about them, but then they progressively get worse over time. And, you know, the data is showing that 50% of women over the age of 65 have incontinence. And I don't want that. (laughs) You know, I don't want like 50 of us to wear pads and diapers when we're older because I think there's so much more that we can do. Um, So, and then the piece about pooping is, you know, when you poop, if you follow me on Instagram or have, you know, seen any of our blog posts, I'm a big fan of a squatty potty. Uh which is a little stool that you put under your feet to put you more in a a squatting position when you're pooping. So every time you poop, you put your feet on that stool and you're in more of a squatting position and then you exhale as you're pushing to poop. So you don't want to hold your breath because that actually can cause more tension in the muscles and then you Uh can't relax as well. So I always say like blow out the birthday candles when you're trying to poop and that's what I teach my kids. And they're always like blowing out birthday candles when they're, you know, pretend birthday candles when they're pooping because it helps the muscles relax. It's cute. My son now, because when I, um, when I, after we just had our recent baby, um, <laughs> and, and the nurse gave me that advice um, and that was so helpful. I never heard of that before. So now I do it all the time. Um, and now my son, I heard him the other day, he was peeing and he was going, he was like blowing out a birthday candle while he was peeing. And I was like, what are you doing, buddy? He's like, it just helps. It just oh. helps me grow. And I was like, that is amazing. I love that for you. And I'm so glad you're, you learned that now. Um, That's great. Oh my gosh. I, I like after, um, it's so funny how we tend to forget some of these things postpartum because I had a baby seven months ago, but it had been six years, um, before that. 
And I was like, I did not remember how uncomfortable it is um, to after, you know, because I'd had a belly birth to to have that first pee, have that first poo, and just like how uncomfortable it is to sit and to not be able to go and you can't leave until you go. And it was, it was stressful. And the nurse gave me the, the candle, the candle trick, um, or to pretend like I was blowing out of a straw. And I was like, I have never been told this before. And this was so helpful. And now my kids are doing it. So good, good. And you know, I think that that's one of the things that I'm hoping that there's starts to be kind of more awareness in that hospital setting post-birth that, you know, a lot of, because you're right, if you can't pee or poop, there, it's like a deal, you know? And so yeah. um, you either can't leave the hospital or they put a catheter in or something. So, yeah. you know, the first poops after birth, I'm like, take the stool softeners, use the squatty potty. And yeah. for a belly birth, I really tell folks to kind of put a pillow over their belly to kind of support their incision. Mm-hmm. Or for a vaginal birth, I say put toilet paper kind of um, in the palm of your hand and kind of support the the vaginal and perineal tissues that are really vulnerable after a vaginal birth. So just giving yeah. those muscles a support to help facilitate a bowel movement. Um, and then for urination, I say, you know, you can take a shower and sometimes the warm running water can help you relax. You can... Yes. Um, put a stool under your feet and just take some big, deep belly breaths to relax um, your bladder and your pelvic floor. So just different tips to really, you know, help folks along because it is a really stressful and kind of vulnerable time. It is. And then, yeah, there was the like, if, if we don't get this or that, we're going to have to put a catheter back in. And I'm just like, no, like, please no. And then, but then that, that pressure, that stress, I mean, that's, that has the opposite effect of what I need right? Um, in those moments. And so, oh my gosh. I mean, I remember just like the nurse coming in and I'm like, I did it. I pooped. I, pooped, I farted. Like, I know. <laughs> You're literally like, please fart. Please fart. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I still, it's like, I remember the first fart post, like after birth and I turned to my, my husband. I'm like, I did it. It was a fart. I farted. And we were just like cheering for that first fart postpartum. Yeah. It's, it's so it's so wild, but also it's I mean, I can look back and giggle now, but the, at the time it's like it's this pressure, you know, and that's like you're saying has the opposite um, effect of what you're looking for. And, and so I love I love those tips. And I love your page because you're there's so many of these really important and helpful tips that nobody prepares you for until you're there and like you just cross your fingers that you have a nurse or someone there that can, offer some of them like in the moment, but it's so empowering to go in prepared. So love, love this. Thank you. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about sex. Um, And again, no one episode is ever going to cover all of the things related to sex postpartum. And if anyone's listening right now, Sarah's Instagram account and her website are filled with so much valuable information, but just um, for those who are listening, what are some reasons that sex can be difficult or painful after a baby is born? So the common reasons are, I would say one of the biggest ones is dryness. So if you are lactating or breastfeeding, your yeah. estrogen levels are lower in your body because when you have lower estrogen levels, it keeps your prolactin level, which is your milk producing hormone high. So high prolactin is what we want for lactation, but low estrogen. And that's why we don't get our menstrual cycles back for many months oftentimes if we're lactating. 
But low estrogen causes your vulvar and vaginal tissues to be thin and dry and sometimes itchy. And that can cause discomfort with sex. It can feel like sandpaper. It can feel like mm. raw. Some people report tearing. And again, it's we're not warned about this. And so, I mean, this is probably TMI, but I remember laying in bed and I was like, oh my gosh, my vulva is itching so badly. Yeah. And I'm like, it's dryness because I am was breastfeeding. And so it's just... Nobody really tells you that that's not uncommon, but also what can you do about it? So I actually love some um, natural oil-based products like either coconut oil or vitamin E oil, or there's a um, an olive oil-based product called V-Magic that you can just kind of proactively put on those tissues for hydration. Um, and then when you return to intercourse using a water-soluble lubricant that's like chemical-free, you know, phthalate-free, glycerin-free, just really kind of all natural to kind of lubricate those tissues and minimize friction. However, that might not be enough. And so there can be scar tissue if you've had a perineal tear or an episiotomy. So the the base of the vaginal opening can have some scar tissue. And scar tissue doesn't necessarily heal the way, um, you know, it doesn't move the way that, you know, non-scar tissue moves. So it can be a little bit tighter. Sometimes it can feel a little bit of tearing. So we see a lot of postpartum moms and teach them how to do perineal massage, but it's for the scar and just really Mm -hmm. helping them soften the scar and soften those tissues so that they're a little more pliable and flexible. And then another thing, Cassidy, is really actually cesarean scars. So the abdominal wall fascia kind of connects to the pelvic floor. And when there's a lot of restriction in that scar, that can also cause those pelvic floor tissues to get tight and tense and can lead to pain with intercourse. So yeah, it's, you know, the research is showing that, um, you know, cesarean um, births, some of those, um, they are more likely to have painful sex than vaginal birth because wow. there's there's so much connection between your abdomen and your pelvic floor. And it, you know, we're not addressing how to care for a cesarean scar or help moms kind of manage recovery. So it's one of those things that I really hope is changing as well because 30% of moms are having belly births now. And so we really need to be able to support them and help them in their recovery. So um, it can be scar tissue, it can be um, fascial restriction, dryness, and then also muscle tension. So kind of the deeper muscle, sometimes pain with deeper insertion can just be muscle tension. And that's really where working with a pelvic floor therapist can also help relax and, and release the tension in the muscles. Hey there, your host, Dr. Cassidy Freight is popping in real quick here to share about a resource. Did you know that in my course, Flourish in the First Year, we have a libido lab? There's also a lesson all about partner relationships, and these two combined are going to support you and your partner in reconnecting after baby is here. In this self-paced digital course filled with videos from me and an OBGYN, you will leave with tangible tools to support you as it relates to sleep, identity, body image, anxiety, and mom parent guilt, and so much more. You deserve so much more than just surviving postpartum. If you are ready to start thriving, let us support you. You can learn more at the link in the show notes. All right, let's dive back in. And I'm glad that you're naming it here for those. Cause I think sometimes people might think, well, I had a belly birth, like baby didn't come out that way. And so I, I this shouldn't be something that I'm struggling with or that this doesn't relate to me, but I, it's so helpful to hear for those who are listening and for myself too, that that is a thing. 
Um, That's no, really it, helpful. it is. I mean, sometimes cesarean scars can cause pain. They can cause pooping problems because your colon is behind there. It can cause bladder issues like yeah. incomplete emptying. Um, or bladder pain, and everything is just so connected. And, yeah. and you know, in our muscles and bodies go through just changes during pregnancy. So regardless of method of birth, your pelvic floor goes through changes and, yeah. and your abdominals go through changes. And, and I often think it's just, um, you know, people often think that they're alone in these issues, again, because we don't talk about it. But I've been in this field for 14 years, and there are so many who are having these same experiences, and we just don't know about them because we just don't talk about them. So I think it can be also disarming for folks to know that they're not alone. These are common issues, but you don't have to just deal with them, that there's actually some things you, that are available for help. Oh my goodness. This whole conversation has been so helpful. I am so looking forward to sharing this, Sarah. Where can people who are tuning in right now, where can they find you if they are wanting to soak up more of your knowledge and the ways in which you just talk about things and put it out there so we can start to break some of the stigma around these things? I love it so much. Where can people find you and your work? So um, I'm my biggest presence is on Instagram as the Vagina Whisperer. So it's the period vagina period whisperer. And um, I just share a lot of tips um, you know, about pelvic floor health in general, um, not just pregnancy and postpartum, but all across the lifespan. And just, you know, my own motherhood journey that I am going through raising two little boys and mm-hmm. being a working mom. Um, and then I also have a website, thevaginawhisper.com, where we have a lot of online classes and kind of a pregnancy and pelvic floor fitness program and just tons of blog posts. So, you know, a, a big piece of this is I just want folks to have access to information. Like I feel like we should all be taught how to pee or poop or insert a tampon or have pain-free sex. And so we really try to provide um, as much, you know, free information and resources um, as possible. Mm, I love how accessible you make this. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. I am so grateful. I will put all the links to everything you've mentioned in the show notes for those who are listening. Again, Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Holding Space Podcast. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to hear when new episodes air. Looking for more support? I teamed up with a board-certified OBJN to bring you two e-courses for expecting and postpartum parents. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Thank you so much for inviting me into part of your day today. I'm so grateful, and I hope you have a beautiful, wonderful rest of your day.